Section 10 of Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, InterfaceAudio.com. Exposition on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2 by St. Augustine of Hippo, Psalm 38, Part 3. 18, verse 12. They also that sought after my soul were preparing violence against me. It is now plain who sought after his soul, those who had not his soul, in that they were not in his body. They who were seeking after his soul were far removed from his soul, but they were seeking it, to destroy it. For his soul may be sought after in a right way also. For in another passage he finds fault with some persons, saying, There is no man to care for my soul. He finds fault with some for not seeking after his soul, and again with others for seeking after it. Who is he that seeketh after his soul in the right way? He who imitates his sufferings. Who are they that sought after his soul in the wrong way? Even those who prepared violence against him and crucified him. 19. He goes on. Those who sought after my faults had spoken vanity. What is sought after my faults? They sought after many things and found them not. Perhaps he may have meant this. They sought for criminal charges against me. For they sought for somewhat to say against him, and they found not. For they were seeking to find evil things to say of the good, crimes of the innocent. When would they find such things in him who had no sin? But because they had to seek for sins in him who had no sin, it remained for them to invent that which they could not find. Therefore those who sought after my faults have spoken vanity i.e. untruth, and imagined deceit all the day long. That is, they meditated treachery without intermission. You know how atrocious false witness was borne against the Lord before he suffered. You know how atrocious false witness was borne against him even after his resurrection. For those soldiers who watched his sepulchre, of whom Isaiah spake, I will appoint the wicked for his burial for they were wicked men and would not speak the truth and being bribed they disseminated a lie consider what vanity they spake they also were examined and they said while we slept his disciples came and stole him away that is to speak vanity for if they were sleeping how could they know what had been done twenty he saith then verse eighteen but I as a deaf man heard not. He who replied not to what he heard did, as it were, not hear them. But I as a deaf man heard not. And I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. And he repeats the same things again. And I became as a man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. As if he had nothing to say unto them, as if he had nothing wherewith to reproach them. Had he not already reproached them for many things? 
had he not said many things and also said woe unto you scribes and pharisees and many things besides yet when he suffered he said none of these things not that he had not what to say but he waited for them to fulfill all things and that all the prophecies might be fulfilled of him of whom it had been said and as a sheep before her shearer is dumb so openeth he not his mouth it behoved him to be silent in his passion though not hereafter to be silent in judgment for he had come to be judged then who was hereafter coming to judge and who was for this reason to come with great power to judge that he had been judged in great humility twenty one verse fifteen for in thee o lord do i hope thou wilt hear o lord my god as if it were said to him wherefore openest thou not thy mouth wherefore didst thou not say refrain wherefore didst thou not rebuke the unrighteous while hanging on the cross he goes on and says for in thee o lord do i hope thou o lord my god will hear he warns you what to do should tribulation haply befall for you seek to defend yourself and perhaps your defence is not listened to by any one then are you confounded as if you had lost your cause because you have none to defend or to bear testimony in your favour keep but your innocence within where no one can pervert thy cause false witness has prevailed against you before men will it then prevail before god where your cause has to be pleaded when god shall be judge there shall be no other witness than your own conscience in the presence of a just judge and of your own conscience fear nothing but your own cause if you have not a bad cause you will have no accuser to dread no false witness to confute nor witness to the truth to look for do but bring into court a good conscience that you may say for in thee o lord do i hope thou o lord my god wilt hear twenty two verse sixteen for i said let not mine enemies ever rejoice over me and when my feet slip they magnify themselves against me again he returns to the infirmity of his body and again the head takes heed of its feet the head is not in such a manner in heaven as to forsake what it has on earth he evidently sees and observes us for sometimes as is the way of this life our feet are turned aside and they slip by falling into some sin there the tongues of the enemy rise up with the bitterest malignity from this then we discern what they really had in view even while they kept silence then they speak with an unsparing harshness rejoicing to have discovered what they ought to have grieved for and i said lest at any time my adversaries should rejoice over me i said this indeed and yet it was perhaps for my correction that thou hast caused him to magnify themselves against me when my feet slipped that is to say when i stumbled they were elated and said many things for pity not insult was due from them to the weak even as the apostle speaks brethren if a man be overtaken in a fault ye which are spiritual restore such an one in the spirit of meekness 
and he combines the reason why considering thyself also lest thou also be tempted not such as these were the persons of whom he speaks and when my feet slipped they rejoiced greatly against me but they were such as those whom he says elsewhere they that hate me will rejoice if i fall twenty three verse seventeen for i am prepared for the scourges quite a magnificent expression as if he were saying it was even for this that i was born that i might suffer for he was not to be born but from adam to whom the scourge is due but sinners are in this life sometimes not scourged at all or are scourged less than their deserts because the wickedness of their heart is given over as already desperate those however for whom eternal life is prepared must needs be scourged in this life for that sentence is true my son faint not under the chastening of the lord neither be weary when thou art rebuked of him for whom the lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth let not mine enemies therefore insult over me let them not magnify themselves and if my father scourgeth me i am prepared for the scourge because there is an inheritance in store for me thou wilt not submit to the scourge the inheritance is not bestowed upon thee for every son needs to be scourged so true it is that every son is scourged that he spared not even him who had no sin for i am prepared for the scourges twenty four and my sorrow is continually before me what sorrow is that perhaps a sorrow for my scourge and in good truth my brethren in good truth let me say unto you men do mourn for their scourges not for the causes on account of which they are scourged not such was the person here listen my brethren if any person suffers any loss he is more ready to say i did not deserve to suffer it than to consider why he suffered it mourning the loss of money not mourning over that of righteousness if thou hast sinned mourn for the loss of thy inward treasure thou hast nothing in thy house but perhaps thou art still more empty in heart but if thine heart is full of its good even thy god why dost thou not say the lord gave the lord hath taken away as it pleased the lord was it done blessed be the name of the lord whence then was it that he was grieving was it for the scourging wherewith he was scourged god forbid and my sorrow says he is continually before me and as if we were to say what sorrow whence comes that sorrow he says verse eighteen for i declare mine iniquity and i will have a care for my sin see here the reason for the sorrow it is not a sorrow occasioned by the scourge not one for the remedy not one for the wound for the scourge is a remedy against sins here brethren we are christians and yet if any one's son dies he mourns for him but does not mourn for him if he sins it is then when he sees him sinning that he ought to make mourning for him to lament over him it is then he should restrain him and give him a rule to live by should impose a discipline upon him 
or if he has done so and the other has not taken heed then was the time when he ought to have been mourned over then he was more fatally dead whilst living in luxury than when by death he brought his luxury to its close at that time when he was doing such things in thine house he was not only dead but he stank also these things were worthy to be lamented the others were such as might well be endured those i say were tolerable these worthy to be mourned over they were to be mourned over in the same way you have heard this person mourn over them for i declare mine iniquity i will have a care for my sin be not free from anxiety when you have confessed your sin as if always able to confess thy sin and to commit it again do thou declare thine iniquity in such a manner as to have a care for thy sin what is meant by having a care of thy sin to have a care of thy wound if you were to say i will have a care of my wound what would be meant by it but i will do my endeavor to have it healed for this is to have a care for one's sin to be ever struggling ever endeavoring ever exerting one's self earnestly and zealously to heal one's wound behold thou art from day to day mourning over thy sins but perhaps thy tears indeed flow but thy hands are unemployed do alms redeem thy sins let the poor rejoice of thy bounty that thou also mayest rejoice of the grace of god he is in want so art thou in want also he is in want at thy hands so art thou also in want at god's hand dost thou despise one who needs thy aid and thou therefore supply the needs of him who is in want of thine aid that god may supply thy needs within this is the meaning of i will have a care for my sin i will do all that ought to be done to blot out and to heal my sin and i will have a care for my sin twenty five verse nineteen but mine enemies live they are well off they rejoice in worldly prosperity while i am suffering and roaring with the groaning of my heart in what way do his enemies live and that he hath said of them already that they have spoken vanity here in another psalm also whose sons are as young plants firmly rooted but above he had said whose mouth speaketh vanity their daughters polished after the similitude of a temple their garners full bursting forth more and more their cattle fat their sheep fruitful multiplying in their streets no hedge falling into ruin no cry in their streets mine enemies then live this is their life this life they praise this they set their hearts upon this they hold fast to their own ruin for what follows they pronounce the people that is in such a case blessed but what sayest thou who hast to care for thy sin what sayest thou who confessest thine iniquity he says blessed is the people whose god is the lord but mine enemies live and are strengthened against me and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied what is hate me wrongfully they hate me who wish their good whereas they were simply requiting evil for evil they would not be righteous were they not to requite with good the good done to them 
they would be ungrateful. They, however, who hate wrongfully, actually return evil for good. Such were the Jews. Christ came unto them with good things. They requited him evil for good. Beware, brethren, of this evil. It soon steals upon us. Let no one of you think himself to be far removed from the danger, because we said such were the Jews. Should a brother wishing your good rebuke you, and you hate him, you are like them. And observe how easily, how soon it is produced, and avoid an evil so great, a sin so easily committed. 26. Verse 20. They also that render evil for good were speaking evil of me, because I have pursued the thing that is just. Therefore was it that I was requited evil for good. What is meant by pursued after the thing that is just, not forsaken it? That you might not always understand pursuitio in a bad sense. He by means by pursuitus, pursued after, thoroughly followed because I have followed the thing that is just. Here also our head crying with a lamentable voice in his passion, and they cast me forth, thy darling, even as a dead man in abomination. Was it not enough that he was dead? Wherefore in abomination also? Because he was crucified. For this death of the cross was a great abomination in their eyes, as they did not perceive it, that was spoken in prophecy, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Lest, therefore, some persons should think, as some of the heretics think, that our Lord Jesus Christ had only a false body of flesh, and that the death by which he made satisfaction on the cross was not a real death, the prophet notices this, and says, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. He shows then that the Son of God died a true death, the death which was due to mortal flesh. Lest, if he were not accursed, you should think that he had not truly died. But since that death was not an illusion, but had descended from that original stock, which had been derived from the curse, when he said, You shall surely die, and since a true death assuredly extended even to him, that a true life might extend itself to us. The curse of death also did extend to him, that the blessing of life might extend even unto us. And they cast me forth, thy darling, even as a dead man in abomination. 27. Verse 21. Forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, depart not from me. Let us speak in him. Let us speak through him, for he himself intercedeth for us. And let us say, Forsake me not, O Lord my God. And yet he had said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he now says, O my God, depart not from me. If he does not forsake the body, did he forsake the head? Whose words then are these but the first man's? to show then that he carried about him a true body of flesh derived from him he says my god my god why hast thou forsaken me god had not forsaken him if he does not forsake thee who believest in him could the father the son and the holy ghost one god 
forsake Christ. But he had transferred to himself the person of the first man. We know by the words of an apostle that our old man is crucified with him. We should not, however, be divested of our old nature, had he not been crucified in weakness. For it was to this end that he came, that we may be renewed in him, because it is by aspiration after him, and by following the example of his suffering, that we are renewed. Therefore that was the cry of infirmity. That cry, I mean, in which it was said, Why hast thou forsaken me? Thence was it said in the passage above, The words of mine offences, as if he were saying, These words are transferred to my person from that of the sinner. 28. Verse 22. Depart not from me, make haste to help me, Lord of my salvation. That is, that very salvation, brethren, concerning which, as the Apostle Peter saith, prophets have inquired diligently, and though they have inquired diligently, yet have not found it. But they searched into it, and foretold of it, while we have come and have found what they sought for. And see, we ourselves too have not as yet received it, and after us shall others be born, and shall find what they also shall not receive, and shall pass away, that we may, all of us together, receive the penny of salvation in the end of the day, with the prophets, the patriarchs, and the apostles. For you know that the hired servants, or laborers, were taken into the vineyard at different times, yet did they all receive their wages on an equal footing. Apostles, then, and prophets, and martyrs, and ourselves also, and those who will follow us to the end of the world, it is in the end itself that we are to receive everlasting salvation, that beholding the face of God, and contemplating his glory, we may praise him for ever, free from imperfection, free from any punishment of iniquity, free from every perversion of sin, praising him, and no longer longing after him, but now clinging to him for whom we used to long to the very end, and in whom we did rejoice in hope. For we shall be in that city where God is our bliss, God is our light, God is our bread, God is our life. Whatever good thing of ours there is at being absent from which we now grieve, we shall find in him. In him will be that rest, which when we call to remembrance now we cannot choose but grieve. For that is the Sabbath which we call to remembrance, in the recollection of which so great things have been said already, and so great things ought to be said by us also, and ought never to cease being said by us, not with our lips indeed, but in our heart. For therefore do our lips cease to speak, that we may cry out with our hearts. End of section 10. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com